Ladies and gentlemen, boys and girls, and those who don't identify as either, you are listening to Ratchet and Respectable with Demetria L. Lucas. I am still in Lamu, Kenya. I think when we spoke last, I was on my way here. Ended up having to edit the podcast while I was here. And even though it went up very late, I think it went up on Sunday. I just want folks to know that my podcast was turned in on Friday. It's, I think, apparently obvious at this point that there's some issues with the production. It's not necessarily on my end. I'm doing my podcast and sending it twice a week as, you know, contractually obligated, but also as promised to my audience. And it's just not always going up as it should. The other thing that I want to address head on, there have been ads running on the podcast for Republican candidates, particularly the governor of Texas. I want to be unequivocal when I say I do not support the current governor of Texas in any way whatsoever. I think he's a racist. I think he's a bigot. I think he's anti-black. I think he's anti-woman. So despite the ads that have been running on the podcast, which I was unaware of, and then against my wishes, because I've also brought that to the attention of my production company, and the ads are continuing. I've I've sent two separate emails. Um, I hope not to have to send a third. But I've seen your emails and your DMs. Thank you to most of you for giving me the benefit of the doubt that I was not aware, because again, I wasn't. But I'm on it, and it's being corrected, I hope. I'm very embarrassed and upset about it, so we're clear. Also, if you continue to hear the ads for either the governor of Texas or or any other politicians for that matter, anything for politicians that you haven't heard me endorse. If you hear something for Reverend Warnock, that's fine. Will Jawando, that's fine. Um, But anybody else, please bring it to my attention. I'll do my part to work on the timing issue with the um, with the pod because I'd be out here busting my ass trying to get this thing in to do that and then for it to still be delayed going out is very 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 frustrating next topic um, i'm still in lamu kenya at the airport when i got back to nairobi i had a, a two-hour layover between coming back from the Masai mara and then catching a flight to lamu two-hour flight with a stop i met this really dope woman at the airport she was standing in line behind me as we were boarding a bus to the plane. And she was like, are you visiting from the States? And I was like, yeah, where are you from? She's from Queens. And we struck up a conversation waiting for the plane. And she put a, a little plus on my trip. Like we've done a bunch of things that I had planned to do, but she's made it a little easier to get around um, and just a little more fun. And she's introduced me to some dope people. So I'm not just here necessarily as a, a pure tourist. Um, I can actually, you know, enjoy the lifestyle and the people a little more. But her name is Tiffany. She runs a business for travel to Africa. She goes to a bunch of different countries, one of them being Kenya. But she's been living here, I think she said two and a half years. She was here when COVID hit and loved it and was like, so why not? We hung out the other day. We went for a sunset sail and then we grabbed cocktails at this, um, this seaside restaurant with beautiful views, really good food too. Just great conversation between two black women and they're both in their 40s trying to figure out life in untraditional ways and how to make it work and how to be happy and keep happy navigate you know just being abroad because it comes with its own ups and downs but just a really dope dope woman very thankful for meeting her and then also she introduced me to a gentleman named Mr. Lee and she told me about him when we met and so she's like oh I have a friend she's like I'd love for you to meet 
she was like, you know, he's in his 80s. And I was like, oh, okay, like a little old man. I don't know. I guess I was picturing like a, a version of my dad. But no, but like Mr. Lee came out on the sunset sail with us and, you know, had a brownie <laughs> and some champagne. Told me about his life story. He's been living in Africa, like on the continent. And I specifically don't say a country because he's lived in several countries on the continent. I don't remember all of them. But he moved here in 82. I was born in 79. So he's been living in Africa like since I was three. But he had to be in his late 30s, early 40s by then. He moved here after doing a 20-year bid in, in federal prison for drugs. He told me he started using drugs at 13. He started selling them shortly thereafter. He robbed people, but he told me he was a gentleman thief. He told me he, he was taking people's money, but he didn't want to take their dignity. He never, he never told people to get on the floor. He said he'd offer them a seat. He never beat them up. He said that was unnecessary. He was like, you know, I just wanted your money. I wasn't trying to, you know, harm you or anything. And I was like, okay. Um, told me about some girlfriends. Told me about some wives. Told me about a bunch of different places that he's lived in. And his life sounded so fascinating. I turned to him and I said, you know, are you working on a book? Because, like, you should be. Because this is, this is wild. And he was like, yeah, like, a couple of times in my life, like, people have wanted to write books. I and mean, he was like, I'm working with two people now on getting something done. And I'm recording the stories. He said he was recording his stories on his phone. He said the older he gets, the details aren't as sharp. So he's capturing them when he can in between the interviews for the writing process. Oh, I left out the good part. I'm staying on a private island that has a hotel. And so anytime I want to go to the main islands that have all the restaurants and stores and things like that, I have to catch a boat. No problem. I catch a boat to Shayla, one of the main islands, and I'm waiting for Tiffany, the woman I just told you I met, because we're going to go do this sunset. And as far as I know, it's just me and her. I think I thought one of her girlfriends might be coming on this, um, on this sunset ride. No issue that Mr. Lee was there. So as I'm waiting, a gentleman, he's a captain of one of the boats. He just struck up a conversation. He's asking me if I know Swahili and he's surprised I don't because he says I look like the women um, on the island. He was like, you know, you look African. It's like It wasn't until you started speaking. I realized like she's not us. And I was like, that's fine because I'm not. I define myself as black American, not African. I started getting really adamant about that after I, um, I started traveling um, to countries in Africa on a semi-regular basis. And I was like, I... That's a whole nother podcast. I won't go into the depths of it. But I was like, I don't know the culture here. I don't know the culture. I don't know the language. I don't know the ins and outs of history. I don't I don't know. Like what I do know is America because that's what I am. So happy to be in Africa, but fully understand that I don't feel African. And in, in, in general, I'm not thought of as African. Black American is very cool with me. But I'm standing there talking to the guy about Africa and black Americans and visiting Kenya and, and all of those things. And this man walks up and he catches my eye immediately. He's got on all white and he's dressed as the men that I've seen in this city. Um, he's got on all white linen. I don't know the proper name for it, but he has it's not a turban, really. But it's, it's a headscarf that's wrapped kind of like what you'll see guys do. And this is just the, the way that I'm familiar seeing it. When Americans visit Dubai and they go ride the bikes in the desert, the guys who are and the visiting guys tend to wrap their hair in this particular way when they're out doing the, um, I guess not dirt bikes, sand bikes. His uh, scarf was sort of wrapped like that. He had a singular diamond earring and his, his glide, I can't even call it a walk. He, he just sort of glided by but with a bop. It's the Obama bop. I looked at him. And skin-wise, facial hair-wise, 
size-wise. It's a general observation. The men in Kenya, in most places I've been in Africa so far, are much smaller than American men. They might have the height, but the frame is much smaller. Um, Americans, we just eat a lot. We're a big population. We're, we're just bigger than a lot of people. Also, you know, all the preservatives and poison, essentially, they put into our food. But again, separate podcast episode. But I noticed him and I was like, immediately, I knew he was a black man. I knew he was from America and I knew he was from the East Coast. So I see this man walk by and I just sort of like clock him in my head. And then I'm also remembering that Tiffany told me that the island is really small. She's like, you see somebody once, you'll see them twice. So literally three minutes later, Tiffany comes around the corner and I go with her to the boat that we're taking for sunset. And so she was like, oh, I wanted to introduce you to like, this is Mr. Lee. He's going on the ride with us. He spoke in obviously an American accent. I said, where are you from, Mr. Lee? And he smiled. He's 119th between 5th and 6th, Harlem. And I said, huh? St. John's between Kingston and Albany, Brooklyn. And he was like, uh-huh, I knew that. <laughs> I wrote about Mr. Lee on Instagram. I'm supposed to hang out with him later today. Him and Tiffany. It's my last day in Lamu. So hopefully we're able to connect. But really just a really dope man living his best life. He looks no parts of 82. He's just lived like this very unexpected, unpredictable, unchartered life. I remember thinking about, you know, moving to Ghana even before, like, you know, I was having the personal earthquakes and I was on some like God told me to come to Ghana thing. Even when I was like, you know, just playing around with the idea and I was like, you know, what do you have to lose if you go? What do you have to lose if you stay? And it wasn't even a matter of losing. It was just like when I'm 80 something and I look back on my life and how I lived it, would I regret not chasing every dream? I don't think I'll live in in Ghana forever. I may end up living in other countries in Africa. I can see myself putting down roots in, in other places. I don't think I'll, I'll be on the continent like forever. I don't think this is my forever home. But one of the things I enjoyed about, you know, hanging out with Mr. Lee, he's almost like twice my age. You just sort of live and you make the best of it and you try to be happy and the time passes and you make memories and you have experiences. And when it's all put together, the pros and cons, and you parse it out, was it positive? Was it negative? Was it just life? To kind of think it's just life. We do have stuff to talk about today. I got up. <laughs> this is so bad. I got up at seven o'clock this morning <laughs> and I could have rolled over and gone back to sleep like I did yesterday. I grabbed my phone and put my VPN on and watched Hulu. Because I had to find out what happened next on Reasonable Doubt. I love that show. And it's been a long, long time. I think maybe since Scandal that I was so excited about a show that it was like program TV. Like I want to see it as soon as it comes out. Even with Game of Thrones, when it was good, still didn't do that. House of Dragons, I didn't stay up to watch it when it aired on HBO or when it came on like my bootleg site. I would just catch it the next day. But to actually like be up for like appointment TV reasonable doubt has that current chokehold on me thankfully it's only one more episode i was like i can't be like this over a tv show and it's not just because of mf michael ely either who is clearly one of my faves it's just a good show well told i don't even care about half the plot and i'm not giving anything away about the new episode just don't freak out but like the the main character is a lawyer and half of the show is literally about a big case that she's working on and her clients and, and whether this person is guilty or not 
I care not one iota of a bit about her professional life. It's not that it's boring. It's not that it lags. It's just, it's interesting. But I am so fascinated by her personal life and the way she's juggling a husband, a side piece, a one night stand, her girlfriends and their messy ass husbands. It's absolutely fascinating. Like I absolutely love this show. But this episode, (laughs) one of the better episodes, I'll tell you this, it focuses on the husband. And that's all I'm going to say. That's, I'm, I'm just, that's it. That's all I'm going to say. I also saw the trailer for The Best Man came out. It's a TV series this time. One of my really good friends in Ghana. She's also a writer on The Best Man, the TV series. So I like low-key harass Nicole every time I see her to be like, you know, can you tell me anything about the show? Can you tell me anything about the plot? Does anyone die? Is anyone born? Does anyone break up? Do they travel anywhere? Which I think I actually do know the answer to that. And I'm also not 100% sure it's correct, so I won't say it. But she won't give me any details. I just want you to know that I I have done my due diligence in the proper harassment of writers for this show. Very mum. Will not tell me shit. But it looks really good. Especially in the trailer, there's like a scene where Morris Chestnut opens the door. He's got this like full fluffy beard. I feel about MF Morris Chestnut the same way I feel about MF Michael Ely. The prototypes for two different reasons, but gorgeously attractive men who I think are both like either 49, 50, both of them aging so beautifully, just gorgeous, gorgeous men, even better than when they were younger. It's just fine wine, fine wine. Sorry, distracted. The premise of the TV show is that the book that caused all the confusion in Best Man One is, is now being made into a movie. And Tay Diggs needs to go to Morris Chestnut and be like, hey, that book I wrote about me having sex with your then girlfriend, even though you were my best friend. And then I almost ruined the wedding. But then y'all did get married and then she died from cancer. So the book that I wrote about my affair with your deceased and died from cancer wife is now being turned into a movie. So all the shit that, you know, we thought we had put to bed and moved on from is coming back. How do I address this with you? Morris Chestnut answers the door in a row that is wide open. Now, obviously you can't see, you know, all of God's glory and blessings because it's not that kind of film. That said, the robe is open and you can see all of Morris's brownness, including that little, I don't know the name of that muscle. You know, on your Kindle, when you were a kid, there was like that little V cut where they like attached Ken's legs. And I thought that was just, you know, on dolls until I got much older. And I was like, oh, no, they make that model in real life. Oh, but Morris Chestnut, the man is like 50. He still got that little V cut. And you can see in the commercial, like I was watching it on my phone. I just hit the 10 second button to go back. And I was like, rewind, (laughs) rewind, (laughs) rewind. (laughs) I'm about to drain my battery, rewinding this phone to look at Morris Chestnut and that little V cut. It's a beautiful man. I can't tell you really nothing else about the commercial. Um, Everybody's in it, obviously, except Mia, because she died in Best Man 2. They're black. Everybody looks good. The Best Man came out like a zillion years ago. Everyone still looks well-preserved and lovely and wonderful. Shout out to Mia Long. I think she just had a birthday. I saw a bunch of people wishing her well. She needs a little extra love right now. She's been going through some things. We talked about it in detail when it happened. There was a whole episode named after her. We don't need to rehash. We just need to keep Nia in our prayers and the babies. She got kids. All good things for her. Peace. Peace and good choices. 
whatever works best for her and her family. That's what I want. I feel like there was something else on TV that I was supposed to be talking about. I still haven't watched Handmaid's Tale. I'm probably not going to while I'm traveling. I'm just, I'm over. I'm over June and Serena. Oh, I have Halloween listed on here, which I usually wouldn't make a big deal about. I'm I'm not a big Halloween person in general. Like you'll never really catch me in anything more than I might do a little cat nose and some whiskers, maybe some ears, but that's the most that you'll ever see from me. I'm just not a big Halloween person. Just nothing against it. It's not for like religious reasons or anything like that. I'm just not like a big dress up person. I remember my friend was doing this activation for Bridgerton in LA and she was like, oh, come, everyone dresses up and they wear ball gowns and hair. And, and I was like, girl, I, I will show up in my regular all black and my chucks. <laughs> like, it's just not my thing. I love watching it be other people's thing, though. I mean, people get dressed up for Halloween every year, but I feel like this year people really went all out. And I guess for like 2020 and 2021, people were still a little skeptical. I mean, there were definitely people outside. But I feel like people were a little more skeptical, a little more choosy about what they did and where they went. But I guess, you know, everyone's just, you know, back outside, like fully outside. Like, ain't no COVID. Always there's like the celebs that dress up. But even like in my friend circle, like people were going like all out, like people I don't really recall doing the most for Halloween. And I was like, oh, OK. I saw Diddy is the Joker, which was amazing. I'm like, he really got into character, which was that really that different a character for Diddy? The man is extra. Joker is extra. I was like, once you really think about it, like those personalities really aren't that far apart. But Diddy as Joker was really good. Cardi as Marge Simpson was really good. She stands out in my head. Winnie Harlow, the model, she did Remember the Time and she dressed up as both Michael Jackson and Iman and killed both of them. And I was like, that's actually really impressive, sis. Like if she told me about it, I'd be like, girl, I think mm-mm, I don't think that's going to work. But then once I saw it, I was like, oh, that really worked out well for you. Yeah, that's that's good. Kim Kardashian as um, the blue X-Men chick. That was really cute. Not the hugest Kim fan, but I, I acknowledge when, you know, good work is done. I think those are the only ones that I screenshotted. There were plenty of them, though. Up and down my timeline, people who usually don't get all, like, dressed up were all dressed up. And I was like, huh, we outside side. Oh, I saw somebody dress up as, um... <laughs> This isn't a celebrity. It's just somebody on Instagram. And I thought it was the funniest thing. The Brooklyn Bishop, the one who got robbed and wears all the Gucci suits. Which, are they Gucci? I know they say Gucci, but are they Gucci? But this dude was sitting in a car. He had on a Gucci hat and some big glasses and a big Jesus piece. It looks like Gucci, but when you look close, it's C's instead of G's. (laughs) And he's sitting in the car. And he made the Rolls Royce symbol on a piece of white paper. And he taped it up on the seat behind him. And he's leaned over in the car specifically so you can see the Rolls Royce sign. He wanted everybody to know he riding in a Rolls Royce. When I advertised this um, this episode, I'll post the picture. It was really good. I was like, yo, people were really in their bag this year. It came out really cute. I don't know if they celebrate Halloween here. I went out with a guide yesterday who was showing me around. He said Lamu is 75% Muslim and 25% Christian. I have no idea how that translates to Halloween. I know Halloween's not just an American custom, but I have no idea like whether it's celebrated here. The mall was decorated when I was in Nairobi. Ghosts and goblins. No pumpkins, though. 
So for sure, Nairobi acknowledges it. Um, maybe. The mall I went to was also in a heavy expat area. So now I don't know. But at my hotel, absolutely nothing. Like no acknowledgement, no decorations, like nothing. Nobody dressed up. We don't have a lot this week. I feel like, I mean, there is a lot of crazy, but I also, you know, in the same way that I have parameters and rules for ads, I also have parameters and rules for things I discuss and things that I don't. We need to talk about Paul Pelosi, Nancy Pelosi, Speaker of the House, her husband. Somebody broke into the Pelosi home where Nancy and her husband live. Nancy was not there. I believe she was in D.C. But somebody um, broke into her home to, I would say, to kill her. Her husband, unfortunately, was home. Paul is, I'm looking up his age right now. This is on CNN. Does it say how old he was? I want to say he's in his 80s. Because Nancy, I think, is in her 80s, too. But here's the details from the story on CNN. This went out, it says 17 minutes ago. So it's the newest news that we have. And I'm recording this episode on November 1st. It's 12.18 here. So it's 5 a.m. It's 5.18 on the East Coast of the U.S. Oh, so this guy, I didn't say the, I didn't say what happened to Paul Pelosi, excuse me. So this guy broke into the Pelosi home looking for Nancy and beat her husband with a hammer. I read that Mr. Pelosi, Paul Pelosi is in the hospital. He is expected to make a full recovery. And I was like, can you make a full recovery from being beat with a hammer, especially when you're in your 80s? Oh, this happened in San Francisco, by the way. The guy that did it has been caught. His name is David DePape. According to CNN, he's facing, quote, a litany of state charges, including attempted murder and assault with a deadly weapon. These charges are in addition to the federal charges that he faces, which include assault and attempted kidnapping. According to police, that based on the man's statements, it does appear that it was a politically motivated attack. He was specifically coming after Nancy Pelosi because of her, her political views. According to court documents, DePape told the police he planned to hold Nancy Pelosi hostage and he called her the leader of the pack of lies promoted by the Democrats. I don't even know what to make of that. Um, CNN notes that following the attack, Paul Pelosi underwent, quote, successful surgery to repair a skull fracture and serious injuries to his right arm and hands. You hit an old man in the head with a fucking hammer? More details about the attack from CNN. It says Paul Pelosi called 911 at 2.23 a.m. on Friday. Police arrived at the house eight minutes later. It said when police opened the door, Pelosi and the attacker were both holding a hammer with one hand and DePape had his other hand holding Pelosi's forearm. Pelosi greeted the officers. The officers asked him what was going on. DePape responded that everything was good. Officers then asked Pelosi and DePape to drop the hammer. At that moment, DePape allegedly pulled the hammer away and swung it, striking Paul Pelosi in the head. Pelosi appeared to be unconscious on the ground after the blow. He did this in front of the police? That motherfucker crazy. Republicans... Not all of them. One of them being Donald Trump Jr. made light of the attack. He posted an image on social media of a hammer and a pair of underwear. And he said, got my Paul Pelosi Halloween costume. 
You think this shit is funny? Obviously, I'm not Republican, despite the ads that have been running on my podcast. But even the, the governor of Texas, if someone had broke into his home and beat him or his wife or any member of his family with a hammer or anything else, I, I wouldn't make light of that. I wouldn't condone that. I wouldn't joke that. I wouldn't joke about that. I mean, I think a lot of Republicans are absolutely reprehensible people. I think many of them are anti-black and anti-woman. And still, I don't think anybody, and definitely not their family, deserves to have their home invaded and beaten with a fucking hammer. What is wrong with these people? I saw something else about how like Elon Musk, who is now the owner of Twitter and Twitter has become like a racist cesspool worse than it was before. Twitter was the wild west of all the social media platforms before. And now it's just it got wilder. And I don't know how much you can expect for it when Elon Musk posted conspiracy theories about the guy who broke into Nancy Pelosi's home. There's another story on CNN from seven hours ago that points out, quote, prominent figures on social media including some of the loudest voices on the political right, are pushing a salacious and false conspiracy theory about the attack on House Speaker Nancy Pelosi's husband. It's an apparent attempt to shift the narrative about the assault. I think it's worth pointing out, which the reason these ads are running on my podcast, is elections are coming up. What's today? November 1st? The elections are next week? So they're obviously trying to distance themselves from this crazy. The false conspiracy that big names like Elon Musk and Donald Trump Jr. have been promoting to their followers, their millions of followers, is that Paul Pelosi and the man who attacked him were gay lovers who had gotten into a fight. I want to repeat to you that I'm reading this on CNN. I am not reading the Daily Mail. This is not the Inquirer. This is not TMZ. This is CNN. The San Francisco police chief told CNN, quote, there is absolutely no evidence that Mr. Pelosi knew this man. As a matter of fact, the evidence indicates the exact opposite. CNN points out that this explosion of social media posts discussing this theory shows how quickly conspiracy theories can spread and how eagerly some political actors use falsehoods to push their agendas, even as violent threats against lawmakers have multiplied in recent years. I was reading this meme the other day. It was on Facebook. I don't know if I screenshotted it. Let me check. But it was talking about how every time they click on basically like a liberal news article, CNN or say it's the New York Times or the Atlantic, places that I think educated and thinking people tend to go for their quality news. The Washington Post should add that one in there. But they were talking about the firewalls on all of these sites. It's like, you know, you read five articles a month and then they want to charge you a yearly membership or a monthly membership. And a lot of people are just like, no, I'm not paying that. I'm not mad at all of the paywalls that the sites have that the site that so many of the the reputable sites have put up. But the, the meme was pointing out that, like, if you go on these other sites, Daily Mail or I said TMZ, but TMZ is actually largely credible. Like these sites that are wildly known for misinformation, Fox News, you don't have to pay for it. This made up nonsense, these these crazy conspiracy theories and like right wing nut job shit. It's all freely available. You don't have to click read more like it's all just boom right in your face. They make it easy for you to access the crazy shit. And what does that mean for the rest of us when people actually believe stuff like Nancy Pelosi's husband was involved in a gay tryst? 
that went left and his lover beat him with a hammer. Like, what? That, is, that sounds complete batshit to me. But there's tons of people who are just like, I knew it all along. What? Speaking of conspiracy theories, I'm not spending much time on this because I'm so sick of talking about this subject. I feel like we have literally talked about Kanye West on every episode for maybe like the last three weeks. Last episode, we talked about how all these people have fired him or distanced themselves from him. We talked about his school closing, the letter that went out to parents and was like, school's closed, like immediately, we'll be back next fall. Like, what? And then later, an email went out and was like, no, school is open in the morning. We're starting with, we're starting with prayer. What? I have no idea what's going on with that school. Since that last episode, not went up because it didn't go up till late, but since that last episode was recorded and sent in on Friday... He has apologized to black people. We talked on the last episode how he apologized to Jewish people. Black people obviously were like, so do, do we get an apology? Like, are we, you don't think we're worthy of an apology? He did get around to apologizing to black people. His apology to black people was, God has shown me, this is a quote, by the way. God has shown me by what Adidas is doing, by what Adidas is doing. So it's like he didn't do anything to to prompt, provoke, initiate nothing. Adidas is just doing things to him. God has shown me by what Adidas is doing, what it feels like to have a knee on my neck. Now, this is Kanye West, which was it two weeks ago? Even if that on Drink Champs, who said, Derek Chauvin, the officer who was convicted for the murder of George Floyd, a white man, an officer convicted of killing a black guy. Kanye, his version of it was his knee wasn't really all on his neck like that. And now fast forward. Now that all his brands have dropped him because of the shit that he's been doing and saying, he now knows what it feels like to have a knee on my neck. I was like, how dare you? How dare you? How dare you invoke what happened to George Floyd, his murder for yourself? No, no. George Floyd and in a an incident that, if I remember correctly, began over an alleged counterfeit $20 bill is, is not the same as all the brands and people you were affiliated with distancing themselves from you because you're saying wild shit. Like, I, I'm frustrating myself and I don't need to because I point out every week that I think this man is having a mental health crisis. And yet at the same time, I do it to myself trying to make logic out of illogical shit. This is a me problem. This is a me problem. This is a me problem. The mother of George Floyd's youngest daughter, because he had a bunch of children, the mother of his daughter, the cute little girl, sued or said she was going to sue Kanye West for $250 million for the inaccurate statements that he made about George Floyd, especially when there has been a court ruling to determine, you know, the guilt of the officer that murdered him. So suing Kanye for $250 million, Kanye feels a way about that. He decided, and again, and I feel like I have to keep saying this. He is not in his right mind. He posts this letter, letter. He posts a picture of Roxy Washington. That's the mother of George Floyd's daughter. He posts a picture of her on his Instagram. This, and he was banned from Instagram forever. This is his return to Instagram. He posts a picture of this woman and he writes this caption. He says, for Roxy Washington and Roxy Washington alone, 
I gave $2 million out of my pocket for the family to help George's daughter, your daughter. He said, how much did Black Lives Matter give? So he's back again to attacking Black Lives Matter. Okay. He says, many gave words. I acted. Now, because of words, you want to sue me for $250 million? Well, because of words is why you lost $2 billion for Adidas. You're more upset about this $250 billion than the $2 billion that you lost when Adidas dropped you. This is where it goes completely left. He says, now because of words, you want to sue me for $250 million when I'm going through an economic lynching, a digital lynching, a social credit score bankrupting. You're either being controlled or you're being greedy, but you better get you some business for God get mad. He is experiencing a mental health crisis, and I have to keep repeating this to myself so that I don't go in on him. He is experiencing a mental health crisis. I am not sure that he is even aware of what he's doing or the words coming out of his mouth. It doesn't mean he's not responsible for what he's doing and what he's saying, but I just have to keep remembering he is experiencing a mental health crisis. He is experiencing a mental health crisis. He is experiencing a mental health crisis. The people who still at this point are trying to make sense of what Kanye West is doing who were just like, he's not experiencing a mental health crisis. He knows exactly what he's doing. He's freeing himself from the systems and he's getting free as a black man. And black people are so used to being controlled that they don't know what freedom looks like. This is not freedom. Losing $2 billion in a day is not freedom. That's not some grand mastermind pinky plan. No, no. I'm doing it again. At some point, my understanding of how bipolar episodes work is you go in and out you have moments of of clarity and then you also have manic episodes that's the bi part of it i think i think because this is not my field i just know a few people with it i've read books from people who deal with it at some point he's going to come out of this episode and he's going to realize what he's done that he's lost two billion dollars and and the impact of what that really means that he's lost all his brand deals, that he's gone on anti-Semitic and anti-Black rants in public, that he's lost the respect of people he respects, that he's persona non grata in in most of the places that he was previously welcome, that people who even might fuck with him behind the scenes can't be seen with him publicly, won't stand up for him publicly. He's going to have a really bad time whenever that time comes. And I'm actually genuinely worried about him. I saw Charlemagne the God said something the other day. He said, Kanye West is acting like a man who doesn't plan to be here long. And people got really mad at Charlemagne for saying that. It's not a thought that I haven't had. What he's doing right now is completely self-destructive. And I say this knowing that you can't force someone to get help if they don't want it. But it just doesn't seem to me that he has anyone in his circle that he... That's able to reach him. I mean, he's posted screenshots of, of people trying to reach out to him. He posted a screenshot of, you know, Diddy reaching out and being like, hey, like, let's talk. Kanye posted it and was like, you're being controlled by Jews. Paranoia is part of the disease. I'm, I'm genuinely worried about him. I would love to take the stance. Fuck Kanye West and he's anti-black and he's anti-woman and we shouldn't give a fuck. And I thought he was doing all this shit and he was in his right mind. I would, actually, I would absolutely take that stance. This isn't me being soft on a black man or, or being a pick me or being naive or, or anything like that. It's just I genuinely think the man is unwell and I hope he gets the help that he needs. And I, I keep saying that. 
because I see so many conversations about him, people who support him and then people who are, you know, just like dragging him for filth over over the things that he's doing. And I just think there's not enough conversation about, I mean, in general, mental health and, and black people, especially we've come a long way. We've come a long way. We still have a ways to go. Um, but I don't think enough people are mentioning his mental health. And so that's part of the reason that I keep bringing it up on damn near every episode episode, because I hope it clicks for some people that like he's not well. I don't know who's around him that he will allow to help. I don't think he's surrounded by nothing but vultures and people just don't give a fuck about him at all. I don't think that's the case. I think he's not open to help receiving help. Part of that is probably because of the mental illness. Um, part of that is probably the arrogance that just is Kanye, mental illness or not. I just hope it doesn't end. That's it. I hope it doesn't end for him. I'm deeply, genuinely concerned. Um, I hope, I hope this doesn't end the way it's looking like it's going to. That's the episode for today. Hopefully it goes up on time. It's 11.39 a.m. on Tuesday. Um, so 4.40 a.m. on the East Coast. I'm going to edit this and send it in. Hopefully it'll be up at the latest by noon on the East Coast. Let's hope. Let's start the month off right. And hope my ads ain't fucked up anymore. All right. Talk soon. I hope. Okay. Bye. Tax day is coming. Oh, no. But if you sign up for Robinhood Gold's IRA with a 3% match, you can get up to $195 for the 2023 tax year. Oh, yeah. Sign up at Robinhood.com slash boost by tax day to get the biggest contribution match on the market. Subscription fees apply. Investing involves risk. 3% match requires gold for one year from first match. Must keep IRA for five years. Robinhood Financial LLC member SIPC.